Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. We are here with the president of Southwestern Real Estate, Pat Roach. Pat's just an awesome guy. You guys are gonna love this interview. So let's hop right into it. I'd love to start with your story though about Southwestern. Sure, I'll tell you the, the short version. So as a sophomore at Wheaton College, I got a call in my dorm room from a guy, Jason Grimes, and he actually did really well. He told me he made $12,000 and he was gonna go do it again. I know I had worked three jobs in small town Wisconsin the summer before to make about 3500 So 12000 seemed like a ridiculous amount. I ended up going that summer, scared to death. The day before we left, I was, I was supposed to have this sales talk memorized, and I found it in my room, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm supposed to know this by tomorrow. <laughs> and I thought, what if I just don't show up? What if I just skip the thing and... They'll all leave and then I'll see them next year at school and I'll just be like, yeah, I don't know, something happened. Um, <laughs> so I was that close to not going, which is crazy to think what the impact it would have been on my life. But my group got sent to North Dakota for the summer. And one of the things that was really cool about that is it was a little org, little organization, three student managers and 12 first years. We lost three of those first years during that summer because it, it just wasn't for them. But out of the remaining 12, nine of us finished in the top 100. It was a really great thing to be surrounded by such strong leadership and people who just led by example so fully that it completely impacted my ability to lead other people and what true leadership looks like. And so that was a really impactful experience for me. Over the years, I built up a pretty large organization of students from coast to coast, and uh, and it was a true honor to be able to see these college kids come in with all the questions, scared to death, knowing that they were going to do something, and they were trusting me and a lot of other their friends to show them the way to become successful. When you have to live up to somebody's fears and say, hey, it's going to be okay, you're going to work your tail off, but it'll be okay. We've done this before, and we'll, we'll do it again. And they trust in that. When you see it come to fruition, it's like, wow, what a, what a gift. And, uh, that was a great career for a really long time. Well, uh, let's transition here, Pat, to real estate. So now you're the president of Southwestern Real Estate, an international real estate business and growing like crazy. You had a very untraditional path to starting your business as an entrepreneur. So give us the quick version of how. You transitioned from being a senior leader, having some of the top salespeople in the entire company to being the founder of an international real estate business. So the gist of it is this, you know, in 2005, when everybody and their brother was making money in real estate, I decided, oh, you know what I'm going to do is flip a house. And so I did, and it was fine. And, and then I thought, you know, I could probably learn the lessons of mistakes I made and do that better. Um, so I was going to transition to being from on the road to being at home. So I resigned my position at Southwestern. I was just going to make money doing that. Um, but when I resigned, our CEO at the time, Henry Bedford, said, oh, well, what are you going to do? And I told him, you know, I was going to flip some houses and 
so I could figure it out. And he was like, well, I didn't know you wanted to be in real estate. We'd love to be in real estate. Are you kidding? So many of our students have gone on to great success in real estate. We'd love to have a real estate company that we could scale nationally. Would you like to help us start it? And I was like, well, I don't, what are you talking about? Like, you want me to be a realtor? And he said, yeah. And I was like, well, Henry, there's only, I only know two realtors and they're both old ladies and they just kind of seem really super comfortable and set in their ways. And I was used to working with college students that were on the front lines of building themselves into the people they want to become. And that was like the polar opposite. I was like, man, I, I can't picture it, but I'll think about it. And then I left. I was like, I'm not thinking about it, but that was nice of him to bring it up. Wait a minute. So went, You're telling me when people give us the I want to think about it objection, they don't leave and actually think about it? Is that what you're saying? I don't know what they're doing. I'm just telling you what I did. Okay. All right. Got so, it. <laughs> so essentially, many of you know, 2006, 2007, the recession started to kick in full bore and I started to lose a lot of money in real estate. Uh, a lot of my investments with friends that were in real estate, started to go belly up, bankruptcies left and right. It was some dark days for sure. So in that process though, as I was in the real estate kind of environment, I had a few people speak into my life when I kind of would just casually mention Henry's offer to me on my way out. And they were like, Pat, that's something you want to do to work with people who are willing to invest in you and help you do something, even if it fails. You will learn so much. It'll change your life. I also heard a couple of things that I thought were interesting. They built my confidence, but they were actually inaccurate. So I'll say it this way. A lot of people are like, Pat, with your experience, you're going to stand out like crazy if you go into real estate. Are you kidding? Most realtors are idiots. I heard that over and over again in a way that it kind of gave me some false confidence about what it would be like to succeed in real estate. And it kind of made me go, I think I need to give this another look. So I circled back with Henry. I said, hey, I think I figured out how this should work. And if you're still interested, I'm interested. And he said, great, you're the president, let's start. And uh, just like that, we were now doing Southwestern real estate. There were so many people getting out of the business because of the recession that Illinois changed their license laws to where you could get your managing broker's license and start your own company on your first day which worked perfectly for us. So that meant we could start. It also meant I didn't have anybody show me how to do it, but Henry was good with it. He's like, I don't know anything either. And you don't know anything, but we'll just have to figure it out. That's a great example of you having faith that this was going to work out. You didn't exactly know how it was going to work out, but your belief in the things that you do know about Southwestern, about Henry and about yourself gave you the faith to take that step. Absolutely. Henry's had enough experience starting businesses. I'd never done it before, but he had enough experience to go, well, it's not going to be super complex. It'll be fairly straightforward. What will be hard is doing all the things that are required to become successful. Mm -hmm. But we both believed and had faith that we would be committed to doing those things based on how hard it is to do some of the other things we did at Southwestern Advantage. We just knew we take those character traits, apply it here, we'll figure out a model that works. That's great. Uh, tell us about the growth recently. Yeah, I had a little crisis too. One of the things that Henry told me, I'll back it up a little bit. One of the key things that helped focus my attention in starting a new business is he said, you know, Pat, I know you're going to want to set the world on fire and you're going to want to recruit all these people and stuff. But Henry said, I just want you to get your personal sales in real estate 
up at a high level to where anybody that comes behind goes, look, these are the steps you follow. Just do it like this and you can have a career like that. That was super freeing for me to be able to just build up my sales business and let that be the model to follow. I actually started to sell quite a bit of real estate to the extent that I was like, man, maybe I should just do this. And now I've got a little crisis because Henry asked me to start a business that we could scale and I just want to have fun selling real estate. So I was kind of at this weird crossroads. And then I got a call from an alum of Southwestern, Sarah Goss. She basically recruited herself to join the company. I started teaching her, here's what I did. And she was following my footsteps. I was like, man, this is so much more fun having two people instead of just one. (laughs) And then that happened again with someone else. And then again and again. And what I noticed was every person that we were very careful to select who we brought in, every person we brought in made my job more fun. Mm. Uh, It made it more meaningful to watch them, you know, go from, okay, I'm trusting you. It's kind of the same thing about recruiting for Southwestern Advantage. I'm trusting you. I don't really know if this is going to work out, but you seem to think that it will. I'll do those things. And when it works out, there's a bond that you share with that person that's just the spice of life, you know? Yeah. Well, the culture that you have established is incredible. They want to be there. I think you guys have one of the highest retention rates I've ever heard about in real estate. So if you look at the numbers nationally, 86% of people who get a real estate license will be out of the business within 18 months. So the turnover is ridiculous. And I've talked to other folks who have built up large teams. The amount of massive amount of recruiting that they have to do to maintain their level of production is ridiculous, let alone to grow it. It's just a real churn. If you don't have to replace people all the time, your growth can come a whole lot quicker. And uh, this past year, we had 90% retention. We just opened an office in Monterey, Mexico. And um, our main guy, Pepe, in Mexico, he I, when I was first introduced to Pepe, he was selling real estate. And in Mexico, you don't have to have a license. There's very little oversight. So you can just do it if you want to. And I was talking to him and I was like, so you're already selling real estate and you realize when you make a sale and that commission, you get to keep all of it. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, so why are we talking? Because you know, if we're going to be in business and we're going to share in that. And granted, I think I can do a lot to help you build your business up to a high level and, and there will be a, a mutual benefit there. But, but what's that about for you? And he said, it's not about the money. He said, I want the culture. I want to be around people who want to do things the right way. And it kind of goes back to that first summer I had selling books where you saw such a high level of performance because of strong leadership and everybody believed this is the way it's going to go. And that's how things turned out. So what I learned as an 18 year old is showing up and how we're building that Southwestern real estate. And it's true. So yeah, so an international business now. You're you're an international business leader. I enjoyed so much being down in Monterey, Mexico with you and the team. We had a lot of fun, uh, drank some really good tequila. That might've been the best tequila I've ever had in my life. I remember it was Don Julio, 1942. Is that the year? And I, always, uh, I always say a different year when I order it. I, think I noticed is- that. It was <laughs> one, 1948, 1942, whatever. They always know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. You know, when, when you're looking at that to your story, it, it is interesting because all of our businesses, 
lean into the principle, we build people, those people build great companies. And so what you're saying is we, we never actually pulled out a map and said, okay, strategically, we need an office in Mexico. Where do you think is next? Where, where's going to be the next flag on the map for Southwestern real estate? Well, I'll tell you what, with the number of students that we have working with us from Eastern Europe, um, that has to be our next destination. I'm talking with folks in Homer, Alaska right now about a potential office there. And so it's kind of like, man, that'd be cool. Like, I don't know anything about that market, but I know the quality of the people I'm talking with. Yeah. We have grown our business every year since our foundation. Even this past year with a pandemic, we ended up having uh, four months that were our best months ever during 2020. Everybody wants to grow. There's a bunch of new folks that are joining us. If you or someone you know has real estate needs or if somebody you know actually has a track record of success that would like to build their career in real estate, maybe they're already doing it and they're really dissatisfied with the culture of the place they're working. Those are people that we might end up being like-minded with. We don't do part-time. We only want to build great businesses, like significant great businesses together. But if you're in that spot, I'd love to hear from you. One of the things that surprised me the most about building a career in real estate is how personal it is when somebody buys a home or sells a home. It's way more than them selling a product. It's a piece of themselves. And when you enter in as an agent to actually experience that with them and walk with them and kind of clear some landmines so that they can have a less dramatic process in that, the bond that you gain with your clients is so fulfilling. That is awesome. Um, are you good to answer some questions? Let's do it. Yeah. What is one thing you do on a daily basis that jumpstarts your day? Well, I'll tell you what, I have a very rigid morning routine that is key to actually my personal contentment and uh, actually helps me do things. But my morning routine is that I'm up at 6.15 so that I can come out and make the coffee and prepare it perfectly for myself and for my wife. So that when she comes out, all she has to do is pour the coffee. So it's like this act of service that I can do for her before she's even awake. So then I have my coffee. Then I go and I've, I've actually been learning through an app called Headspace. I've been learning how to do basic meditation. Never really done that. That's been really cool. And I can see that showing up in my life in terms of the benefits of that. So I use about 15 to 20 minutes in the meditating space. And then the following 20 minutes is reading whatever it is that I'm working on at that point. So that gets me to seven. My wife comes out. We have coffee and watch the news until 7.30. And then at 7.30, I'm off, get ready for the gym, get over to the gym, do my thing, get back, get showered so that at nine o'clock, I'm ready to start my day. So I do that five days a week without fail. If I'm setting goals, it's not hit morning routine five days a week. It's so embedded in my day. It's not even something I have to try to hit. It just happens all the time. It's a total habit. That is so, so important. For me, it actually starts before I go to bed. I do about a 30-minute checkup on everything that has happened that day. My goal is before midnight that I answer any question that needed to be answered so I don't go to bed with that question on my mind and to know 
that there was a victory that day of as many victories as possible. Also, I look at my calendar before I go to bed and I have the next day prepared. So I know exactly what's happening at the very beginning of the day and all the way through the end of the day. And sometimes that's where I'm, I'm getting everything prepared for the day because there's nothing worse than waking up in the middle of the night and it occurs to you that something's happening tomorrow that you're not prepared for. So I find in order for me to get a good night's rest, I have to check up everything that has happened and then everything that's going to happen. And then I sleep like a baby. I sleep like a rock every single night. I, I sleep really well. And I think it's due to that. Every time I don't do that, I actually find myself waking up at 4 a.m. going, holy crap, we have this and this and this. And there's a call happening at 8 a.m. And I don't even know if they have the things that they need for the call. And so that's, I think, an important part of my routine. And then praying. You know, I read a book about George Washington. And it's funny, it was a really thick book. It was called Washington, A Life. And it was his whole life story. And there was one little part in the book that his wife made a, a journal entry about that George Washington got on his knees and prayed at their bed every night before he got into bed. And I just went, well, if George Washington does that, I can do that too. I think there's an act of getting on your knees that submits you and gets you in the right mind frame. And then that's all the gratitude and all the, the prayers and the things. And then, and then you go to bed and when you wake up, you're ready to go. The science that I discovered recently is they've done a lot of studies to determine that if you spend a significant amount of time focused on gratitude, things that you're grateful for, for some strange reason, it makes you more capable of doing delayed gratification behaviors. So usually the things that bring us instant gratification, you know, like making an offer on a property or whatever, well, you're going to do that because you get the response right away. But the things that you have to do for the delay, like writing notes to people, doing check-in calls, the stuff that pays off over time, if you spend time thinking about how grateful you are for the things in your life, you are actually more capable of doing the delayed gratification behaviors, which is usually the stuff that trips people up. I love that. I don't think I've heard that before. It makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I can see how that works. So, And I think that that's one of the things about self-talk. A big part of self-talk is what you say to yourself, but it's also the stuff that you prevent from getting in. Mm. You have to block that stuff out and know this isn't good for me. This is actually harming me. And there's a lot of just popular media that falls into that categorization. So you owe it to yourself to go, that material could be reshaping the way I think about human relationships. Yep. That isn't good for me. I'm out. I'm like not letting that in. Love that. That is so spot on, Pat. Absolutely. Yeah, your self-talk is not only what you say to yourself about yourself, but what you allow other people to say about you that you actually believe. We have another question here. How do you build faith in yourself after failure? Yeah. So when I referenced, you know, my my trials of nearing bankruptcy and stuff like that, there was a big part of my, I guess, my ego that was pretty beat up. And when you're successful doing something like I was successful at Southwestern Advantage for a long time, and then you deviate from that, and then all of a sudden you're experiencing extreme failure to the extent that like, it's the kind of stuff you don't want to talk about with your neighbors. You know, just kind of, especially when you're surrounded with people that you believe are successful and the shame that you put on yourself. I think it really 
required me to go through a process of, well, what makes up my value in the first place? Am I simply worth loving or am I simply worth uh, what I can contribute to society? Or is there something deeper that just because I am a human, I have value? Kind of like a sanctity of life type of questions. But it's true. I mean, you, you get beat up when you, when you fail a lot. You beat yourself up. People are beating you up. And then you've got to find a way that you can, can work your way out of that. Um, but I think it really kind of starts by how you define yourself. And I think for me, it was a big part of a maturing process to build that ego up, right? That's an important part of your childhood and your development is building your ego up. But people eventually who continue to mature can tear that ego down um, and continue to to live in society without ego being the thing that is constantly needing fed. Um, that it takes a lot of work, and and I wouldn't really recommend trying to do it all on your own. But to do that with uh, you know people who can support you and and see the value in you as you're on that journey. But when you do come out the other side of massive failure, if you've kind of wrestled with that stuff, if you're not just like no. I got to get another success. Then I will have replaced the failure. You just go, you know, the failure, let's just keep that all in. That's a part of the picture. And there's no shame in that. And that's okay. In fact, that might help some people. And that might help me because that could happen again. And, and I tell myself that frequently. Uh, whenever I think, oh, you have just crushed it this year. You've crushed it. I want to follow that up constantly with that can all go away. Mm-hmm. And then who are you? That can all go away. And who are you? And to be able to sit with that and really go, that could be okay. Yeah. You know, what Pat just perfectly described was uh, the definition of unconditional confidence. And conditional confidence is when people base their confidence in results and things that are uncontrollable. Or put your faith in, in other people, put your faith in politics. And if you put your faith in politics, then good luck. If you put your faith in other people, good luck. But when you put your faith in something bigger than you, something bigger than a person, something bigger than politics, then you can have real confidence. And unconditional confidence is having belief in your God-given abilities and your acquired skills and knowing that failure is going to happen, but through faith and perseverance and never giving up, success will happen. And so getting through the failures, that's part of life. And everybody's dealing with failures constantly. But I think that quitting is something different. Failures come and go, but quitting is when you lose. And so losing is a habit and so is winning and losing is unacceptable. Failure, sure, it's going to happen. So as long as you don't lose, you're all good. So this was just amazing. Thank you for taking the time to be on here. It was super fun. I'm glad to be able to be a part of it. Awesome. It's been great. Thanks, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.